But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Never is that statement truer than in the life of Mary Magdalene. Do you know Mary? I'm not talking about Mary Magdalene the prostitute, of which Pope Gregory falsely accused her in the sixth century, or Mary the wife of Jesus, as Dan Brown once maligned her in his provocative novel, The Da Vinci Code. No, the real Mary Magdalene was a passionate follower of Jesus, present at the cross, first to the empty tomb, and gloriously set free from a life tormented by seven demons. She was also an example of contagious generosity. Indeed, an example worth emulating. I'm Ron Jones, and this is Something Good. For centuries, rumors have swirled about the life of Mary Magdalene. Some say she was a prostitute. Others claim she was the wife of Jesus. Don't believe it. Hello and welcome to this Thursday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. My name is Brian Davis. Thanks so much for being here. And here's what you can believe about Mary Magdalene. She had at one time been possessed, not oppressed, but possessed by seven demons. And Jesus set her free. What's the difference between oppression and possession? Find out next as Ron continues his teaching series, Cracked Pots, How the Glory of God Shines Through Our Brokenness. Now online, you'll find us at somethinggoodradio.org where you can listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Subscribe now to our podcast at Apple Podcasts, at Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. From Matthew chapter six, here's Ron with part two of his Something Good Radio message, Mary Magdalene, a tormented soul set free. I do not believe, and I'm in a company of most Bible scholars, I do not believe that a believer in Jesus Christ can be possessed by the devil. There's only one person who's possessing you, and that's the Holy Spirit. He comes to live inside of you at the moment of salvation, and he doesn't share his residency. He doesn't rent out a room to some demon or the devil himself. A believer in Jesus Christ cannot be possessed by the devil, but you can be oppressed. Uh, sometimes we use the word demonized or influenced by the devil, and I, I kind of think of demon oppression, which can happen to believers or unbelievers, as sort of a, a, a jacked up version of everyday garden variety temptation. It's a little more than that because you cracked open the door and invited them in. For an unbeliever, you invite them in to take up residency. That's called demon possession. And it's very real. Missionaries in other parts of the world come face to face with this kind of uh, demonic influence and, and, uh, and darkness and evil. Again, we're not as familiar with it in our setting. But demon oppression, the oppression of the believer, an amped up you know, temptation, a stronghold, a foothold that he gains in your life. Even the believer in Jesus Christ, without the devil taking up or a demon taking up residency, can invite um, oppression. Depression, uh, you know, let, let's, just, let's just land on the clinical side first. Uh, let's be careful not to suggest that uh, physical manifestations of either 
possession or oppression are always, you know, related to the spiritual. Depression, mood changes, uh, other physical manifestations that we find of people who were possessed by the devil and even oppressed by him, uh, they, they appear in the Gospels. But, but sometimes it can be a clinical source and sometimes it can be a spiritual source and we have to be discerning in that. Um, what else can I tell you? Acts chapter 10 and verse 38 says, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 10 to 11, there shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering. That sounds really crazy, doesn't it? But that's what the cultic practices did. That's what the pagan religions did. They sacrificed their children. And, or anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer, or a charmer, or a medium, or a necromancer. A necromancer is somebody who calls upon the dead. He says, there shall not be found among you anyone who does this. In other words, don't dabble in this stuff. You, even as a believer, you, you start dabbling in the occult. As a believer, you may not be possessed, but you are inviting the powers of darkness to oppress you. One expert says there are many things that can open a person to demonic oppression, such as drugs, habitual sin, the occult. Uh, he lists some mind-altering practices that include drug use, visualization, something called contemplative or centering prayer, energy balancing, guided meditation, and other overt occult practices like astrology, sorcery, prayers to the dead, tarot cards, Ouija boards, seances, necromancy or contacting the dead, grave soaking, astral projection, objects used in occult ceremonies, channeling, spirit guides, animal guides. I mean, come on, it's all out there. And, and you start dabbling in this stuff and you're opening yourself up, maybe not to a possession believer in Jesus Christ, but to increased demonic activity. You've cracked open the door to the oppression, to the stronghold that builds in your life. You know, the devil disguises a lot of what he does through entertainment. You know, there's a reality TV program called uh, The Long Island Medium. She's a necromancer. She's a sorcerer. Stay away from it. I don't want to step on any toes here, but you know, Harry Potter, I know, I know, okay? But the devil disguises what he does through entertainment. And it's just a small crack in the door. But if he can get a little foot in there and just wedge it a little bit more and a little bit more and increase your curiosity, before long, some people are contacting the dead. They want to speak to their dead somebody. Mary Magdalene was a tormented soul, tormented by the possession of seven demons that had taken up residency in her life. And then she met Jesus Christ, and she was set free. Hallelujah. She was singing a hallelujah 
because she had been set free. She had never experienced such freedom because they had her in a bondage. She didn't know any other way. And again, we don't know the, the pathway. We don't know the upbringing. We don't know the first time she started dabbling in all of that. But the devil and his demons set up a strategic stronghold in her life. And one day she met Jesus Christ and she learned what later in the New Testament, the, uh, the Apostle John says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, all right? Uh, we need to have a healthy respect for the devil and his demons, but they are more powerful than the Jesus in you and me as believers in Jesus Christ. Jesus has won the victory. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Mary Magdalene came to that understanding when her tormented soul was set free by of these, these seven demons that had gained a foothold in her life. And for that reason, uh, well, she, she was once a cracked pot. She had her demons, but no longer. And she goes on to play really a central role in the death and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. God used her in a remarkable way. God used her to tell the disciples, to be the first one at the tomb, and to be the first one to tell the disciples, He's risen. And that sent Peter and John on a, on a track meet, you know, to the, to the tomb that morning, seeing who could get there first. There's one more thing that I want us to make note of about Mary Magdalene, and it's just a little comment in Luke chapter 8 that I find fascinating. One of those uh, kind of evidences that she had been set free it says in verse 3 and verse 2 that, you know, Mary Magdalene was among those who were healed of evil spirits and infirmities, and, you know, seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, by the way, Herod's household manager, isn't that cool? And Mary was hanging out with some pretty powerful women. And Susanna and many others, now listen to this, who provided for them out of their means. Here's what I want you to know about Mary Magdalene. She's an example of contagious generosity. She's not only a tormented soul that was set free, but when she was set free, she experienced financial freedom. Now, here's how I define financial freedom, friends. I start with free of debt. Anybody here in financial bondage? Does the devil have you in financial bondage? Because, you know, you got more month than you have money. You're on the fake it till you make it plan, buying things you can't afford to impress people who don't care and all that kind of stuff. You're in financial bondage. Well, we can all agree that financial freedom starts with free of debt. Well, let's go on from there. Free of debt, free from the love of money. We'll be right back with more of today's Something Good message from Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Something Good Radio is a 100% listener-supported ministry. We depend on your prayers and financial support to help Ron share the gospel of Jesus Christ through these radio and internet broadcasts. When you give this month, we want to say thank you with a special gift of our own, the complete audio download to the series you're hearing now, Cracked Pots, 
how the glory of God shines through our brokenness. That's Cracked Pots, how the glory of God shines through our brokenness, a teaching series from Dr. Ron Jones, and for a limited time, our gift to you for your gift to Something Good Radio. Give online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. And now from Matthew 25, here's Ron with the rest of today's message, Mary Magdalene, a tormented soul set free. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. No, money can be very helpful and necessary. It's the love of money that's the root of all evil. You can possess money or money can possess you. Jesus says you can't serve God in money. One will sit on the throne of your life or the other. Free of debt, free from the love of money. How about this one? Free to give generously. (laughs) You will never, ever become a generous giver, regardless of your economic status, where generosity just seeps through every pore in your body until you're free from the love of money. You don't have to be free of debt to be a generous giver. I would argue biblical economics suggests you put God first in your finances and he'll make a way for you to get out of debt and all of that. Free of debt, free from the love of money, free to give generously, (laughs) and this is a fun part, free to have fun. It's okay to enjoy what God has given to you. And to go on that cruise or to enjoy that anniversary trip or to buy this, as long as you give to God first and he's first in your budget. You can't say he's first in my life when he's last in your budget. Why am I talking about all this? Because of all the things the Bible could have mentioned about the fruit, the fruit of her being set free from these demons, it says, Mary was a generous giver along with all the other women who supported the ministry. Why even mention that? (laughs) Because she was set free in every area of her life, including finances. If we just use that as, as a measure of being set free, truth of the matter is most of the body of Christ today is in bondage. That's what the national statistics say. And we need to get back to the understanding that Jesus Christ, when he sets us free, he sets us free in a whole host of ways to where, at least in one way, money no longer has us in bondage. The love of money, the greedy, grabby, get what you can, can all you get and sit on the lid and get mad and angry when the preacher talks about money and giving. People who are set free, I mean truly set free by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ become some of the most generous people I know, whether it's the single mom who barely rubs two nickels together or the wealthy business person. Think of Zacchaeus in the Bible. Now, we don't hear a lot about Zacchaeus in adult worship services. Luke chapter 19, we we put Zacchaeus in children's church. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, right? He was short. He he, he He was challenged in his vertical jump. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And you know how the Roman tax system worked? If you had the franchise for being the tax collector in your area, 
Here's what Rome said. We need this amount of tax out of this region. Anything over and above that is yours to keep. Well, that just invited corruption. And the tax collectors would raise taxes and raise taxes and rip people off and rip people off. They were despised among the Jews and even some of the Romans. Matthew was a tax collector, transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to Zacchaeus' region, walked into his franchise. Zacchaeus was curious about Jesus. Couldn't see over the crowd, so he climbs up into that sycamore tree to get a perspective. Jesus is walking along and says, hey, Zacchaeus, I see you up there. Let's go have dinner together. And Zacchaeus' life was transformed. And the first thing the Bible says was the way he did business and the way he handled money was transformed. He suddenly realized, you know, I've been ripping people off all these years. And now that Jesus has transformed my life, it's going to transform the way I handle my money. I've ripped people off so much, I'm now going to repay them four times the amount I ripped them off. What a generous giver he became. Generous with his finances now. And I'm just saying to you, I I just think it's amazing that here, Mary Magdalene, I, I don't know if one of the bondages that these seven demons had was over her finances or not, but some of you are saying, boy, it sure feels like it. I can't, I can't seem to rub two nickels together. I've got more month than I have money. I just can't seem to make my finances work. You're going to have to take that step of faith and put God first in your finances and let him set you free. He'll get you free of debt free from the love of money, free to give generously. And he hasn't taken all the fun out of life. No, there's free to have fun too. Mary Magdalene was a tormented soul, but she was a soul set free. And I pray that that's true of anybody here today who may may have opened up the door just ever so small to, to to give those those, those bullies from hell, an opportunity to bully you and wedge their way in and create a stronghold or a bondage that you may or may not be aware of. But the power of the gospel is a power to set free the tormented soul, and it ripples through every facet of our life, so much so that it turns grouchy people when it comes to generosity and to happy people. God loves a cheerful giver. Has Jesus Christ touched your life so radically and set you free to where you get excited when there's an opportunity to give? That's an indication somebody's been set free. You grouchy about it? Got to work on this somehow. God loves a cheerful giver. And the Bible also says that Jesus says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Mary figured that out. Mary and her band of women who had been set free from evil spirits, physical infirmities, they had figured out it is much more blessed. It is a blessed life to be a giver and not a taker, to be a steward, not an owner to be set free, not in bondage. And they provided out of their means. We don't know how big their means was or how small it was. It really doesn't matter. 
first church I served, one of the most generous people in the church was a single mom. Marilyn was her name. She never had two nickels to rub together, but she, she was a giver. Oh, pastor, pastor, what do you need? What does the church need today? She was always there. Just whatever your means is, whatever God has entrusted you with, figure out a way to put him first in your finances as an evidence that you've been set free. Free of debt, free from the love of money, free to live generously, and free to have fun. Thanks so much for joining us for today's Something Good Radio message. Mary Magdalene, a tormented soul set free. Ron, the story of Mary Magdalene is such a contrast to the story of, for example, King David. I wonder if you talk about that as we wrap things up on this Wednesday edition of Something Good. You're exactly right, Brian, and I believe this distinction will help Christians who may have periods of overwhelming guilt and self-condemnation. It can also comfort those who have friends or loved ones who seem almost beyond redemption. Because you would think that a woman like Mary Magdalene, with seven demons possessing her and seemingly no end and no help in sight, well, that she might never be willing to even listen to the truth about Jesus, let alone believe it. So the contrast you're talking about is this. Before she met Jesus, Mary was an unsaved woman, a demon-possessed woman, and it makes sense that someone who doesn't know Jesus would live a life of sin and rebellion, right? There's a clear line here in Mary's life. Before Jesus, sin and rebellion and possession by demons. After Jesus, salvation and redemption and possession by Christ. But King David knew God before his greatest sin and mistake. He was already a son. He was already saved. He was already redeemed. And then he rebelled, committing adultery and murder, and then for a short time trying to cover it up. So let me quickly make two points to anyone there who might be uh, struggling with one side of this coin or the other. First, no matter what you have done, it is never too late to come to faith in Christ. With God, there is no such thing as a lost cause. If you know a Mary Magdalene, if you are a Mary Magdalene, it's never too late to meet Jesus and be transformed by his, his power and grace. Second, if you're already a believer in Jesus Christ and you've made a terrible mistake, I don't think for a second that this means you, you haven't been saved. Uh, we're never going to be free from the presence of sin until Jesus comes back. We will make mistakes, and uh, we'll make them even after we already know Jesus Christ by faith. Don't doubt your salvation. Instead, and I mentioned this a couple of days ago, Brian, go to Psalm 51 and live there. That's exactly the right response to our sin. Like David, confess it, admit it, own it, and ask God to renew a right spirit within you. Choose confession over self-condemnation, and you'll find that your sinful mistakes can ultimately draw you even closer to God, not push you further away. Such great encouragement, Ron. Thanks for those great final thoughts from today's message. Mary Magdalene, a life set free. And Ron, as usual, we're up against the clock behind me. So what do you have for us tomorrow as you continue your series, Cracked Pots? 
Well, Brian, next up on the list is a rather obscure figure in Bible history. In our current series, we've talked about uh, Moses, Jacob, David, and Mary Magdalene. Uh, Each of them cracked pots in their own way. But the man we're talking about tomorrow is not so nearly well known as these. In fact, he only shows up in one chapter of the Bible, and ironically, that one chapter is an entire book. I'm talking about the book of Philemon. The Apostle Paul wrote this uh, short letter, only 335 words, to Philemon, and it concerns the man I'll be talking about for the next couple of days, a runaway slave named Onesimus. Now, Brian, this may be a short book in the Bible, but it packs a a pretty heavy punch, and it points us clearly and directly to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll explain all of that and more next time, right here on Something Good Radio. That's tomorrow when Ron shares his message, Onesimus, freedom, forgiveness, and second chances. Join us then for Something Good. Now for Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.